0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Now let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Acts in the New Testament. Acts 10 and 11. Pick back up here in the new year on uh, our series in the book of Acts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, we love You. Thank You for Your kindness and mercy and grace. Thank You for how good You've been to us in Jesus. I pray that uh, as we think about these two chapters together, that uh, You would be honored and that uh, our hearts would be helped to be more like Jesus for those who do not know Christ, that they would come to a saving faith and knowledge of Him. And we will love You and thank You for it It is in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Acts 10 and 11 uh, really are about the uh, conversion of this man named Cornelius. And, uh, it'll be, it take too much time to read both the chapters. So, just kind of give you a little bit of an overview. Uh, there is, uh, this man. He is a Gentile. In fact, he's, uh, probably Italian in descent. And you'll find that in, uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse number one and two. And, uh, he is a devout man, but he's a Gentile. He's an unbeliever. He is not a Jew. And of course, we know that the gospel had come, uh, to the Jew. And from the Jew, the gospel of the Messiah of Jesus Christ would spread to all the nations of the world. And so we find ourselves in chapter number 10 and 11 that uh, here is this guy that uh, he's a soldier, he's probably Italian, he's a Gentile in nature, he is not a part of the chosen people from the Old Testament, the Jew, and uh, yet he finds himself looking and longing and wanting to know more about the the gospel. In fact, in verse number 2 it says that he was a devout man and one who feared God with his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually and so here this fellow is he is totally a pagan in the eyes of the Jews he doesn't know about Jesus Christ and yet there's some sort of longing there's something to know more about truth there and as the chapters unfold 10 and 11 you find that the story shifts from Cornelius calling out and wanting God to do something and so God sends an angel to Cornelius and says hey I want you to send 3 of your men over to Joppa to find Peter and somehow Peter's going to make his way here and the gospel is going to come to your house and the rest of chapter number 10 is the story about how Peter who is this Jew among Jews he has died in the wool that the gospel belongs to the Jew and not to the Gentile and so here he is it's uh, getting time to eat he gets a little sleepy he goes up on the top of a house and he takes a nap As Peter takes this nap, God lowers this big kind of like sheet from heaven, like you're going to have a picnic, and He lowers it down, and uh, there's all kinds of uh, animals on it. There are uh, kosher and non-kosher, those who Jews could eat and those who they couldn't. And in Peter's eyes, there were holy animals and unholy animals. And God says, I want you to be able to eat of everything that's on here. And Peter says, no way, Jose." If it ain't holy, I ain't having any of it. If it ain't Jewish, it's not mine. That belongs to the Gentile pagan world. In fact, earlier this week I was um, submitting the title for this uh, this sermon today and we settled on the conversion of Cornelius because that is probably best for everybody. But I thought about just titling the sermon, Eat Pork and Love Your Neighbor. Right? (laughs) That's pretty much what's going on in this text. God lowers it down and says, Hey, listen. Peter, I know that you think that all those people are unclean. I I know you don't like them. I know they're not a part of you. I know they look different and act different and come from different places, but what I want you to understand is that I show no partiality in the gospel. The good news of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that it is not just for the Jews only. It's not just for a sect of people, but it is for whosoever believes in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so God gives that vision to him. and He sees it three times. and Three... Times he denies the Lord, and that's probably reminiscent of the other three times in which he denied Christ when Christ was on earth. He doesn't see it. And so the dream is over with. And the next thing you know, there's a knock at Peter's door, and they come up to get Peter and they say, Look, there's some guys here from Cornelius' house. He comes down. The Bible says that he's still meditating, he's still reflecting, he's trying to understand the vision that God had given him, that all of this food is now holy in the sight of God, and he gets it up from where he is. He goes to Cornelius' house. He gives Cornelius and his family the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ washes away our sin through his crossword and through his resurrection. And the Spirit of God descends upon those people and Peter is left awestruck with his mouth dropped down to the ground at the end of the chapter, saying the Spirit of God has come to the Gentiles as well. And if the gospel has come to them, then our God shows no partiality and we must give the gospel to all people. Chapter number 11 is basically the retelling of chapter number 10. Peter goes up and all of the Jewish believers come to him and they're like, hey, what in the world did we hear? We heard that you went and you ate with sinners, kind of like Jesus did. We heard that you gave the gospel to the Gentile believers, those pagans, those people that don't act like us and and celebrate like us, and they don't have all the laws like we have. We heard that you gave the gospel to those people. What are you doing? And Peter retells the entire story from chapter number 10 in chapter number 11. And he gets to the end and he says, Hey, we ought to glorify God because He has given the good news to all who will believe. That's the story of chapter number 10 and 11. Let me just point out some verses and give us three small lessons today I think will be helpful from chapter 10 and chapter number 11 as we live our life. First of all, here's the first lesson I would say today. Don't show partiality when you share the gospel, because God doesn't show partiality. Look at verse number of chapter number 10. Look at verse number, uh, let's see here, 28. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with the foreigner or to visit him. You see, that's what Peter is saying to Cornelius and his household. And yet, God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean or disdained. Then look in verse number 34. Before Peter gives them the Gospel, this is what he says. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now In this moment, now that God is not one to show partialities, and brothers and sisters, I just want to say to all of us today that we need to take the same lesson that God taught Peter that day, and we need to put that in our own life. And that is that when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, God shows no partiality. God shows no favoritism. Whether they look like you or act like you, whether they have the same background, whether they have the same socioeconomic status, whether They have the same skin color. It does not matter. The gospel is for every person that believes in Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to say that to you, but I want you to receive that with a punch in the throat. (laughs) All right? I want you just to be shocked by that because what I want you to say is it's not just enough to admit that to yourself. You have to live that out every day of your life. Not just in the Gospel, but in the, in the Gospel proclaimed with your lips, but in the Gospel proclaimed with your life, and in the Gospel proclaimed in quiet individual conversations that Jesus is good enough for all people at all times. And we ought to be loving our neighbor as ourselves. I just want to ask you that. Do you show partiality when it comes to the Gospel? Do you share the gospel with people that look like you? Do you hesitate to invite somebody that comes to church who you don't feel like fits into the mold? I want to encourage you to lay that sin of favoritism and partiality down in your life today. And I want to encourage you to learn the lesson that Peter learned, and that is... That when it comes to the gospel and it comes to the way that we live our life, we show no favoritism, we show no partiality. Why? Because our God doesn't do that. Our God gives the gospel to people who maybe we disdain. Maybe I, maybe I should just give you an application point like this. The gospel is for people that you don't respect. Because I know that many of you in here today, you you, you would hop on that bandwagon uh, to say, yes, we are open to every ethnicity in this church, and I am wide open to it, but I just want to say this to you. The Gospel is not just for that. The Gospel is for people that you disrespect as well. The Gospel is for that immigrant who you're not sure whether he's here legally or she's here legally or not, and you have your nose tipped up and you're just going to kind of make your decisions and your calculations on their life. What I want you to understand is the Gospel supersedes all of that. It'll settle itself out. But you don't have the right to judge those people. What you have the right to do is to love them and to give the Gospel to them. When you find yourself passing those people in line somewhere and you make those snap judgments of what you think about them in your mind and in your life and you justify your own behavior as you continue down the road, you're sinning against the God of heaven. The gospel is for every single person who will repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Not only the sharing of the gospel, but the living of the gospel and the way that you treat each other and the way that you treat people at your workplace and in your family and in your life. They don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't think like me. Guess what? You still have the responsibility to love them in Christ and to care for them. Well, I don't approve of their lifestyle. You don't have to approve of their lifestyle, but you do have to love them. You do have to give them the gospel. You do have to be Christ to them. You see, that's what He says. I said these are unholy. You said these are holy, but I say they're unholy and the word is disdain. You see, Peter was looking upon Cornelius and all the Gentiles and all of that pagan world. He was looking at them and saying, they're less than me. They are not of the same pedigree. They haven't been in church as long as me. They don't know as much as me. They've not been to as many Sunday schools as me. They don't have all of this like me. And Jesus comes along and says, what you disdain, what you disrespect, what you don't like, what you don't approve I died for on the cross. And the punch here is that if we want our church to be everything that God wants our church to be in this community, then we have to rise up and crucify our old man, crucify our old nature, look to Jesus and love the people that are around us and share the gospel with them and invite them to church. And love on them, not just if they meet our standards, but whoever they are and wherever they come from, they're welcome here. I can feel the approvals and the daggers, but that's okay. I'm going to tell you what Jesus wants you to hear today. Don't show partiality when sharing the gospel. Don't share partiality when it comes to race. Don't share partiality when it comes to money. Don't share partiality when it comes to friendships. I've used this story here before, but I remember one year, several years ago, uh, Connie was putting together a Christmas dinner and... and, uh, (laughs) She had, she had a wrong idea. It was a biblical idea, but she had a wrong idea that rather than letting everybody sit at the tables that they wanted to with their own friends, that we would somehow try and be godly and biblical and just match people with whoever so that they could get to know everybody else. And the ramifications that came from that were insane. You know why? Because you show partiality. Of course you have friends. Of course we have groups that we meet together. Of course there's people that we'd rather have dinner. Look, there's some of you, you know, they say, yeah, I, I like that person better than that person. But I'm not talking about necessarily our likes and dislikes. I'm saying when it comes to gospel love and gospel care and ministering to the needs and the hearts of the individuals in our church, sit by somebody else. Talk to somebody else. When a visitor comes into our doors, talk to them and love on them and care about them. You say, well, I don't know how to do all of that. and it makes it, I'm scared and I'm a little fearful. For the gospel's sake, don't sit in your little groups and show partiality to your own people. Love the other people in your church. Why? Because that's how God acts. Well, I better move quickly to the second point. Kick your old habits in the teeth because they die hard. Kick your old habits in the teeth because they die hard. Look at chapter number 10 and verse number 13. As God gives this vision here to Peter, look at what happens. A voice came to him. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Right, Eat a pork sandwich from Smithfields and love your neighbor. That's what he's saying here. But Peter says, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Do you see the insanity in Peter's remarks? He says to the Lord, I have never eaten anything unholy or unclean. But what is going on? It's not so much what comes from the outside that makes a person desperately wicked, but it's what comes from the inside. So sure, Peter, your mouth may have never been on anything unkosher, unholy, but deep in the seeding of your heart, you have a wickedness that says that you are better than other people. And who are you to tell the Lord who it is that you'll eat with and fellowship with and give the Gospel to? But that's what Peter does. And notice it again. Again, verse 15. Again a voice comes to him a second time. What God has cleansed no longer considered to be unholy. And what does it say in verse number 16? This happened three times. And immediately it was taken up. Look over, if you will, at chapter number 11 at the retelling of the story. Peter says it again in 11, verse number 8. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has entered my mouth, but a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer considered to be unholy. This happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And if that is not enough to understand that old habits die hard, look at the end of verse number 18 and verse number 19. Right, He says in verse 14 that these people got saved And in verse number 18, it says, when they heard this, they quieted down and they glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles or to the nations now all that repented to lead to life. But look at verse number 19. They quieted down, they glorified God, the gospel came to unbelieving Gentiles. But look at verse number 19. So then, those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen... They made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. Verse number 20, there were a few people that got it, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, right? Because most likely Gentile believers there, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. You should read down to the end of the chapter. Great verses there. I think maybe a second point I would say is this. Look, don't show partiality when you're sharing the gospel because God doesn't do that. And I'm not just talking about ethnicity. I'm talking about uh, social status and position in life and jobs and money Don't, don't and, and friendships. Don't just show partiality that you're a little clique of people, but we have to be a wider body of Christ that has unity and love and we share the gospel to all people and we live the gospel to all people in our church life. But secondly, I would say to all of us today, as believers walking into the new year, kick your bad habits in the teeth because they die hard. And don't you know that already, right? For anybody in here that's had like a New Year's resolution to uh, lose weight and get in the gym, and this is what the this is the seventh, and so you you know you made it to the fifth, right? You know how hard your bad habits can be. Brothers and sisters, I would say to you that our physical bad habits of maybe eating too much or not going to the gym or all of these kinds of things, none of those come or take the place or supersede the spiritual habits of showing partiality to some people or living in such a way that we don't reflect the gospel to all people in our community. I want to say to you, that is the nature of fallen individuality that we tend to huddle amongst ourselves. We only like our way. We only want it our Way, I want to tell you something. Kick those habits in the teeth and be kind and gracious and loving and gospel centered to every human being in this church and in this community, no matter what they look like or where they come from. You ought to make a declaration in your life that you're going to share the gospel with other people this year. What does it say of you? when you haven't shared the gospel with somebody in the last six months? What does it say of me? What does it say about where you your satisfaction in your Christian life? If you're not inviting people to church and sharing the gospel and talking and exposing about the good news, if that doesn't come out, what does that say about you? And your relationship with Jesus? And how comfortable you are with your little group. Could it be that you show partiality to your own mind and your own heart and your own soul and your own small little gathering and you keep the good news of Jesus locked away in your heart instead of given away to everybody that you can possibly imagine? So Steve, I'm afraid to share the Gospel. Well, of course you are. Everybody is. But that's why we train people. That's why we love you. We'll help you. And can I say something to you? When you start to expose the Gospel, when you start to share the Gospel, when you start to invite somebody to come and listen to the Word of God, you don't do that by yourself. God is with you. The Bible says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Don't be scared. Don't be fearful. Share. Give away the Gospel to all people. I think maybe it would be good for us this year to kick those old habits of partiality in the teeth. What had had happened? They saw that the gospel was breaking in on people, and for a moment they were happy. They quieted down, and they rejoiced in God, but when Monday morning rolled around, they went right back to the same habits they always had. They only shared with their small little group. And I fear that even if we draw that into the 21st century in our church that right now you're listening to the Word of God, you're listening to the Scripture, you've been here for Sunday school, you've sung the songs, we've prayed together, we give together, you listen to the Word, and even in your heart something is pricking away probably the spirit of God that is saying he's right I need to share the gospel I need to live the gospel I need to make Jesus and the good news of Jesus the most important thing in my life so that it bubbles over everywhere and all the time you feel that down deep in your soul but I promise you by tomorrow morning if you're not careful if you don't kick your bad habits in the teeth, you will go right back to the same life that you lived this last week and we'll play this whole thing out for the next 51 weeks of the year whereby you live the life that you want to live and you come on Sunday and know that there's more to life and goodness and joy and the gospel and the kingdom and you'll go right back to it again. Make this the day and the time in your life that you kick that in the teeth and you decide that whatever time you have left on earth, you're going to live for Jesus to the fullest extent that you possibly can. Why? Because He's worthy of it. Let me make one last point we'll finish today. I want to show partiality in sharing the gospel because God doesn't kick your bad habits in the teeth because they die hard. And maybe we should remember this. Good people need the gospel because they can never be good enough. Look with me, if you would, back at chapter number ten, verse number one. You follow with me? Just give me a couple minutes here, and we'll move into the Lord's supper. But let me show you a way—a way to understand um, what the biblical authors are teaching. Look at chapter ten, verse number one and two. And now there was a man at Caesarea. Um, named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, right? The Italian job. Verse number two, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to Jewish people and prayed to God continually. All right, let's stop here for a minute. Let me teach you how to understand the Bible. Many times the biblical authors, when they're writing books, they will tell the same story twice in a row. And the reason why is for emphasis, they're trying to tell you what's really going on and what you really need to take away from the story. And almost every time the biblical author tells the story the second time, he leaves something out. And it's what's being left out that the biblical author wants you to focus on. So maybe if you want to do that at some point, you could go back to the book of Genesis and find that Joseph tells the story about uh, all of the nations bowing down to him. He tells that story two times in a row. And the focus in both those stories is that it is the presence of the Almighty God that He alone is to be worshipped no matter who is bowed down to as King. And so what is left out the second time is always what's mostly being focused upon for your attention and that's what's going on in chapter 10 and chapter number 11 he tells the story the first time and you see in verse number two that Cornelius is a devout man and he fears God and he gives alms but when you read chapter number 11 there's not one good thing mentioned about Cornelius why because the author wants you to focus not on the goodness of Cornelius but on the grace and the glory of the almighty God of heaven amen I've heard this preach before and I've heard well-meaning preachers preach about Cornelius and they've said, hey look, Cornelius was a lost man and he was devout and he feared God and he gave alms and tithes. And you know what? If a lost man could be fearing God and devout and giving tithes and alms, then certainly believers ought to. There may be some truth in that to be had, but that is not the focal point of this text. The focal point of this text is to say, even though Cornelius feared God, even though he was living living a devout life even though he was giving alms he still needed the gospel of jesus christ look at verse number 35 and following peter says but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right he's welcome to an understanding of the gospel right the word which he sent to the sons of israel preaching peace not through your good works, not through being a good person, but peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. You yourselves know the things which took place throughout all Judea starting from Galilee after the baptism John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how He went about doing good and healing all of the oppressed and the devil and for God was with Him and we are witnesses of all these things He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put Him to death by hanging Him on the cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted him to become visible. Look over, if you would, at chapter number 11 simply at one verse. Verse number 14. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved. You and all your household. And verse number 18. And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance that leads to life. Whether you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, or whether you are a full-on believer and you're thinking about your family or friends or our neighborhood, the Gospel is for good people because being good is not enough. Cornelius was a devout man, he feared God, he gave alms to the Lord, and there are many people even in this church, you might even say, I'm a member of this church, I've been here a long time, I've given, I've done this, I've done that. All of those things will not carry you into the glory of heaven unless you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior alone. I was teaching the high school guys this morning and we were talking, weren't we? We were talking about indicative and imperative. (laughs) right? So you did that in Sunday school? Yeah. What's true of you and what God requires of you. And most church people always get those backwards. They want to do the imperative first. They want to earn God's grace. I'm going to do this and do that. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to to be this. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be this. And then God will accept me. And that is not the way it works, my friend. You come to God broken and lonely and hopeless, and you call out and say, only you can save me. Only you can help me. Nothing I can ever do will earn the favor of God. Please have mercy on me. And Jesus does. And when you receive a new heart that God gives you by the mercy of Christ, then you say out of thankfulness, I will read, I will pray, I will come to church, I will share the Gospel. Why? Because I'm convinced that the One who saved me will teach me how to live life the way that it ought to be lived. I have a feeling that there are people in this room today and if we were just looking at each other in the eye face to face, you would say the absolute truth is I'm hoping to be a good enough person. I'm hoping to be religious enough, baptistic enough, that somehow I'll make it to heaven. I bring you good news from the Word. You will never be good enough. But that's okay. Jesus was good enough. And Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that if you would give up, And trust Him. You could have His righteousness. And you could walk into heaven not putting your thumbs in your suspenders saying, look what I have done, but with your head bowed and glory being given to God, say, I am here because of what my Savior has done for me. Not only does that give you a future in heaven, it is the greatest way to live life now. Many of you are living under the bondage and the weight of trying to be a good enough person. And God wants to set you free so that you can have Christ's righteousness and live a life of joy and grace and mercy. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? In just a moment, I'll pray. I'll give some instructions. We're going to enter into uh, our time together of the Lord's Supper. Brothers and sisters, why don't you just pray right now. And as you're praying, just listen to me. This is the time to confess to the Lord. If you don't know Him as your Savior, just talk to Him right now and say, I believe that you died and rose again and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. With a sincere and a humble heart, you pray like that and God will save you. And we'll help you. If you're here today and you've been showing partiality, and by that, I'm not even saying that you've had people of disdain in your mind, but you won't even take the time to share the truth that has saved you with other people. Why don't you turn from that right now? Why don't you determine in your life that Jesus is good enough to save you and you want to share Him with the world? And this next week, you'll do everything that you can to do that. Let me pray for us as our deacons are getting in position. Our Father, we love You. We're going to enter into a time of the Lord's Supper now. And I could think of no greater way to see a visual illustration of the cross and the resurrection and the coming. May we, um, may we be pricked in our hearts today to live more for You. We will love You. We will thank You. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, Please visit us at ebcraleigh.com